0: Welcome to another episode of Hockey Royalty Live, the official podcast of HockeyRoyalty.com. We got a very special guest, Ken from Sinbin Vegas. We're talking the crossover episodes, how the training camps are coming up, all the storylines coming in here from the Pacific battles going to go on this season. Why don't you come in, get cozy, get in the chat. Let's go. <laughs> Now, this is the first one of this series. We're going to be getting and trying to get everybody on here, but we thought we'd start with uh, the, the biggest rival in the Pacific here <laughs> coming into Vegas, uh, you know, the ones that just down the, the desert highway there to in Nevada, uh, the, the Las Vegas Golden Knights. Ken, thank you for coming on. Really appreciate it. How are you doing this evening?
1: I'm great. I'm always good. Anytime I get to talk about hockey, I'm in. And anytime I get to pick on the Kings a little bit, <laughs> I'm always in. So I'm up for that.
2: So, Randon just said that the, the biggest rivals. Are they, are, are, does Vegas consider the Kings their biggest rivals? Is that a fair? No.
1: No. 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 I, I mean, it's it, like it was the Sharks for a while there, then they fell off the map. Right now, I mean, it's probably Colorado that Vegas okay. hates the most, uh, but I think that'll change. I would imagine that like we're headed back towards the Kings becoming the, the true rival. I think over time, that's probably yeah. what it's going to be. But at least through six years or five and a half, they really haven't been.
0: I'm more talking about the fandom going back and forth on Twitter, which, you know, can be wow. kind of hostile. But uh, on the ice, it hasn't been too impressive. Hopefully this year, you know, the score, the, the standings will dictate that. But let's get into that a little bit last year. Obviously, Kings make the playoffs, disappointing you for Vegas, not making the playoffs. Both injury riddle teams. How did you see Vegas uh, going in last season and how that kind of worked out, getting Eichel at the end? Kind of what was the 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 vibe there amongst Vegas fans?
1: I mean, heading in, we felt pretty good about it. I mean, as the season started last year, I think pretty much everybody was on board saying they're either the best team in the division or near the top, at the worst top three. Um, you know, they had Tuck out. And so there was an expectation that not only are they going to start out pretty well with the team that they have, but then they're also going to be able to funnel him back in. Things started to... They got off to a little bit of a slow start. I'm sure you remember that Kings game, start the season. It's one of the ones that, like, there's a legitimate shot that that game goes down in history for the Golden Knights as, like, the end of what they were. Uh, they, they they were on top of the mountain for a while there, and then that game was an absolute blasting. And then also Mark Stone got hurt in that game, and Max Petcheretti got hurt in that game. Things kind of spiraled downhill as the season went on. They made the Eichel trade. I think there was the expectation of trying to kucharov it into the playoffs. Didn't end up getting there. Uh, You know, I actually think they overperformed for what they were last year and the players that they had. But at no point all season were they a good team. At no point were they a real cup contender. And it was always this, like, optimistic hope that they're going to suddenly get healthy, which, come on. So that's, that, that's kind of the run through of the season.
0: What did on your opinion, coming in from Vegas, what did you think about the King season and how it started obviously, and how maybe we kept surprising people with how good we played consistently throughout the year? Yeah. I, I think like through most of
1: the beginning of the season, you're kind of just wondering which of the Kings or the Ducks is going to fall off or is it both or, or how is that going to go? And I think, just looking from the outside it's fairly clear that the kings are a little bit further along uh, than the ducks but the kings have had a lot of the pieces that were there and it wasn't necessarily going the way that it was last year so there was that belief that like ah that won't hold up i think as the season went on and this happens every year you start to get into december january you get all the way to the deadline and you see like whoa this team isn't going away then you start to actually appreciate some of the things that they're doing, the way that they were defending, just the the challenge I thought it was to play the Kings night in and night out. You were never going to get an easy game no matter what was happening. I, I thought like you, you you grow to respect them, but at the same time, like, I hope don't take this horribly personally, but like they were never going to win the cup last year. Like that, that team yeah. may get into the playoffs, but they were never going anywhere. They could have won that series, whatever, but like, that's it like they weren't doing anything so for me it was like well if the Golden Knights get in I'm not that worried about the, the Kings because if they can't beat the Kings then what are we doing here
2: can we go back to the <laughs> Jack Eichel trade and that whole situation uh so I'm I'm actually I actually live in Western New York I'm in Rochester so I, I I'm in Buffalo territory when it comes to Jack Eichel and Sabres land and all that stuff so it was a it was heavy discussion out here uh, so kind of a unique situation that he goes out to the pacific division to vegas which i'll be honest i thought and i know uh, our co-host russell morgan does, definitely does not share the same sentiments as i do i thought it was a great fit because i thought the one piece vegas was missing was that elite 1c Um, Can you talk a little bit about the trade, how it was kind of viewed uh, from your end, from the fans end in Vegas, and both then at the time when he was hurt, right? Then he played, what, 30 games or so. And now as we look ahead into next season, how has that conversation
1: kind of shifted? I think you're definitely right that there was a belief and there has been a belief over the past four years that like they're not strong enough up the middle to actually get something done. The results on the ice kind of challenge that, at least in my opinion. You go to the cup final. I don't think they lost the cup final because they didn't have good enough centers. I think they lost the cup final because they ran into a hell of a team that was basically their time to win. You know, then they're, you know, year two happens, year three, they go to the conference final, year four, they go to the conference final. It's like, is it really centers that are the problem? But at the same time, when you look at the names on the paper and you're like, are you winning a Stanley Cup with Chandler Stevenson as 2C? It didn't really make a lot of sense so from that aspect i agree with you i think the biggest challenge that kind of came up in the whole trade was like they weren't in a position to do it like yes you need a center would it be great to have jack eichel absolutely is the trade itself not that bad yeah i'll give up tuck krebs in a first round pick for jack eichel like that doesn't bother and shouldn't bother anybody but when that move sending out five million dollars and two first round picks essentially, and you're still ten million dollars over the salary cap, like you're just not in a position to actually make that move you're 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 buying at a deficit immediately and you saw what ends up happening they end up trying to trade to off. the thing gets blown yeah. up in their face they get him back he ends up having to go again then they have to give patch up for absolutely nothing leonard ends up having all the surgeries and he's out for the season and all of a sudden it all kind of comes back to that trade and then you can go back to the petrangelo one before it and say How did they get in a situation where they were so good and had cap space to now they're not that good and they have absolutely none and they're giving players away for absolutely nothing? Like the Eichel trade itself was such a scream at the, like, we can't do this, but we're doing it anyway. And and to be completely honest, I wish I could get someone on the record to say it. I think there was a real belief that like we're going to get jack eichel we're going to play a season at 92 million dollars when the salary cap is 81 and we're going to win the stanley cup right now like the window is open this is it we're doing it today and then as it fell off you see the pieces you know crumble and all of a sudden now you're like man what did they do and that's kind of where we are now
2: yeah and i because I think it, uh, what made it even worse was Eichel obviously wasn't healthy when they acquired him. So you're shipping guys out. A team yeah. that, that, I mean, I look at Vegas and even to this, to not to jump too far ahead, but obviously this season I look at Vegas and they are a really good hockey team. The problem is, at least in in my opinion, and I'd be curious your thoughts, as talented as they are, if if things go haywire again with the injuries, there's a significant lack of depth, yeah. and I, and I think that's what kind of caught up to them last year, but. Perhaps the difference between them and the Kings was the depth that L.A. had to backfill, right? That Vegas has kind of traded away over the last few years.
1: And they don't draft very well. I mean, well, I shouldn't say that. Like, we've gone through it. It's hard to make the argument that they don't actually draft well because they did draft the captain of the Montreal Canadiens. They did draft a guy who's going to be in the Buffalo lineup. Like, there's something there. They did draft a guy that shipped off and got them Mark Stone. So, but... Those second to seventh round picks for five years, they're not really finding a lot of players that were ready to fill in and ready to take that step. They put in Jake LeCision and he doesn't really do much. Jonas Ronbier, same thing, isn't really up to snuff. You know, They didn't really have that guy that can push forward and get paid $700,000 and play at the level of a guy making four or five million. And that's kind of what happened was as the injury started to pile up, you get... The Michael Amadios and Ben Huttons, Ronbier, Lacision, Cotter, you know, these guys into the lineup. And they went even deeper than that. Zach Hayes, Braden Pahal played games. Like when you get to that point, you need guys who can hold their own. And they just didn't last season. I think when you look at the team now, they've actually shipped off two, potentially, you can make the argument three if you consider Codwin, usable pieces in their lineup and replaced it with absolutely nothing. And so now the belief is. Well, you're going to get a step out of Jake LeCision. You're going to get a step out of Paul Cotter. I'm not sure I believe that's the actual case. And then you haven't even touched on it at all. They don't have goalies. Like their goalies are all unproven. There's a reason to believe that any of the three of them could step forward and be halfway decent to good. There's a reason to believe that Logan Thompson could make a run at a Calder. But there's also reason to look at their lineup and look at their goalie room and say, that's in the bottom third, if not bottom five of the league.
0: So, Now, looking at it as far as the NFL is concerned with the Rams, they traded away all their first-round picks and traded for proven players and ended up winning the Super Bowl. Maybe they weren't the best team, but it ended up working out for them in their favor. It seems that Vegas is doing something similar. They're just like, okay, these, these players are improving. We're getting guys to come in. Is that a product of the instant success? Is that a product of just like, the way the ownership is, is, is going about it, or do you think it's really something that is proven in another sport, but maybe can't be done in hockey?
1: It's still kind of tough to say exactly who is making this decision because there hasn't been a change in the front office and there hasn't been, obviously there hasn't been a change in ownership. So with that group being together, we don't know if it's owner pressuring front office or if front office just goes ahead and operates this way. They did, he didn't really when he was with Washington. It's not to say he didn't operate a bit out there at different times, but he wasn't operating this way. I think when when you really look at like, The early success, you look at a team that went to the cup final, had a bunch of cap space and did it with players that really weren't seemingly going to be able to do that. You start to say, okay, if we can funnel in better players than what we have already, shift everybody down the lineup, why can't we win this thing quickly? And then what happened, and I don't understand why, to be completely honest, they just started replacing guys that didn't need to be replaced. They're replacing Mark Andre Fleury. They're replacing Nate Schmidt. They're replacing Eric Halla. they were, you know James Neal, David Perron, and I understand that a lot of these guys did not go on to be great players after they left the Golden Knights. But what they were doing was they were plucking these guys off and plugging in massive contracts that are usually a lot older than the players that they had, and you end up in a situation where you're getting similar returns despite having bigger names like. As much as I like Alex Petrangelo, there were times Nate Schmidt played better than Alex Petrangelo did here. There have been times that guys, you know, David Perron played better than Max Pacioretty. Like these things have happened. So to me, it was like this belief of we've got to keep going. We've got to keep getting better. We're going to do whatever we can to get 1%, 2% better. And they just went over the deep end and went off, you know, just went nuts.
2: Do you appreciate that though? Like the organization sees, okay, we made uh, out of kind of no, obviously nowhere, the expansion team. They make the cup final. It's like you know what? To hell with this. Let's let's do it. Let's try to go for it. Like in some in some respects, it's like wow. Like you have an organization that says, you know what? We're brand new, but we we made a run here. Let's yeah. go for it. It is kind of mortgaging the future. So what do you see? A A. Do you uh, in some ways respect what they were trying to do? And B. Do you see their window as as cl- as it's weird to say? do you think it's actually shortened the last like y- is, is it like now but it's only like a two year window or do you still see this as a potential three four, five year
1: window? I'll answer the first question first and like yes, there is something noble to saying we're just gonna go for it, but there also has to be some level of pragmatism that I think went out the window somewhere along the lines that I'm not entirely sure where. um i guess i can understand watching tampa win the cup way over the salary cap and think well that's a way to do it why don't we try to play that game but like when i can sit here prior to the eichel trade and put out a seven tweet post in november of last season telling you that if they make this trade and even worse if they make this trade with krebs and or tuck involved it's going to lead to six to seven roster players being bought off of this roster for one. Like, why can I see that, but they cannot? I didn't understand that in the first place. And like, the same thing went for Petrangelo. The same thing went for Leonard. The moment you signed those guys, there was going to be a ripple effect. And as much as, yeah, you want to talk about the Rams, and I do think that they probably looked at the Rams and said, hey, that worked there too. You have to be in the position that, that they were in years ago to do it. I do think if everyone was magically healthy exactly on whatever day the playoffs started last year, yes, they'd probably win the Stanley Cup because they were a pain in the butt for the abs. And I think they could have given that Tampa team hell had they been healthy but how you can sit there for 6 months of being banged up to all hell and say we're going to be healthy 13 days from now is insane to me so that's yeah. that as far as the window to me the window's not even open like i don't know how you look at this team on september 29th and say that team's winning the stanley cup their they, their bottom 6 is average at absolute best their defense is good, but it's not anywhere to the level of like absolutely elite. The goalies, like I said before, and then your top six is, is good, but it's not an elite top six like you've seen before. I think the coach is good. They don't have any cap space. They don't have any exp- entry-level contracts on the way. They have three no-move clauses that are – ages 33 30 and 25 like i don't understand how that all fits together how did that go over everybody's head like when is that group supposed to win (laughs) like that's 20 something percent of your cap and they're not the same age like i don't understand how that happens so to me something's going to have to change i don't necessarily know what it can be because of the three no move clauses all that have five years left on the contract or more it's gonna to be tough. Like they're they're in a weird spot, and like I, I tried. I promise you, I tried at the opening day uh, GM press conference. I tried to get them to say our goal is to win the Stanley Cup this year. Wouldn't say it.
0: We got a we got a Kings fan question here, CJ loyal listener here, uh, and this is kind of his perspective. Maybe maybe you have a different one. He said, "How do you feel about the ownership doesn't take care of their players?" it seems there's no loyalty and that might deter future players from coming to Vegas. Is this more of the cap situation like we were talking about before? Do you feel like there's a genuine lack of loyalty when it comes to the ownership?
1: I think it gets, I don't like to use the word twisted because it all happened. And there's, there's no denying that the way that they've treated a number of players on the way out has been horrible, but they treat the players unbelievably when they're here, like to a level that is almost, and Max Pacioretty actually said it, almost too country clubby. So I don't want to sit here and say like, they're mean to their players and they, they, they don't. I think what happened was every step of the way, there's a belief of, it's kind of being run almost like a fantasy team where it's like, okay, this guy can get me 13 points and that guy can get me 13.8 i'll take the extra 0.8 and that's kind of how it's happened in fantasy there's no ripple effect on that there's no humans that you have to discard here there are one of them your owner promised would have would retire here and he bought a house and was getting his kids into school and he has an agent that's fairly loud like (laughs) a lot of that you have to consider some of what's going to happen in the locker room and i just don't think they did like the simple fact that you go from Marc-Andre Fleury as the de facto captain of the team face of the franchise to Robin Leonard in goal like you cannot find two polar opposite people those two guys got along great but the roster and the construction of the locker room is not the same it's not been the same for a while they've kind of taken a mercenary style of, of managing the team and with it you do get what looks like backstabbing and I do think they're they have to improve in their communication they lie way too often they lie to players they lie to the fans they lie to the media they lie to themselves I think too often they've got to find a way to be more honest and I think Bruce Cassidy is a good step in that in that direction
2: yeah I'd well, like let's to get... segue into that sorry Randall with yeah. the, the Bruce Cassidy right he comes in um I, I think this is a good hire. We talked about this on our show. We were doing the, kind of a Pacific Division preview. I think he's a solid hire for what uh, for what they have. They bring in Eichel, obviously, last year. I, it seems like Cassidy is a guy that is the right fit for this group of players. I don't know how the off season has gone, how the summer has gone, um, and so far in this early preseason, what your thoughts are. But to me, it seemed like a pretty good hire.
1: Yeah, I think he's good. I think he's a good coach. I think the systems are good. I think the way that he's going to go about implementing the systems are good. I do think it's going to be a little bit of a shock to the system when they have a rough game and he comes out and says what he's going to say. Like this morning, just out of nowhere, he said, well, Amadio is not very good at getting pucks off the wall, so we're going to have to improve that. And it's like, <laughs> okay, yes, I'll write about that. Like, you know, and those are not things we saw in the past. Like Gallant would never say a negative word about anybody. DeBoer would kind of massage it in there in a way. And this guy's just like, yeah, that guy's not good enough. And, and he said it about young players. He said it about, and he said it about veterans. Like it's, he's not afraid. And so there is going to be a little shock to the system there. It's a, the, the The challenge for me in kind of, getting excited about bruce cassidy is i think they had a top 10 coach when they started the franchise i think they fired him too early and then they hired another top 10 coach and then i think they fired him too early and then i think they hired a third top 10 coach like are we gonna go through all 10 before we realize coaching hasn't been the problem here so you gotta you gotta
2: could what the heck happened and not to go too far back what the heck happened with galat that they just seemed to be perfect
1: it seemed to be yeah what happened he just wasn't compatible with the front office like he's he's gonna do what he's gonna do and he's gonna do it in his own way and then he's gonna stand there and tell you i'm doing it this way and there's nothing you can do to stop it and i also think he was brought in to kind of babysit for a couple of years and then all of a sudden they <laughs> go on the run and he's winning Jack Adams, and he's the face of the franchise in many ways, other than Flurry. And, you know, fans are falling in love with him. Things didn't go as well the next couple of years. They started to feel like, well, we're going to have to make this move. I think DeBoer gets fired, and they say, that's the guy. He's better. He's better in line with us. He's going to be better for us. And I think that that's kind of the way they went. Little did they know that I think they actually need a foil to themselves, them being the front office. I, I, they are very uh, callous, I would say, and I think you need kind of that shield for the players to go to to complain about the front office. They had it with Gallant; they did not with DeBoer. If you went to DeBoer and said, "I don't like what they're doing," he'd say, "Well, go talk to them." Where Gallant would be like, "Yeah, they're they're jerks. I don't like them either." Right? <laughs> where I think I and I'm not really sure where Cassidy falls in there yeah. yet, but but yeah, that was a, that was a saga that was just it's a mistake. Like it was a mistake to fire Gallant. It wasn't a mistake to hire DeBoer afterwards. Like, he was good. I think it was a f- mistake to fire DeBoer. I thought it was too early. I don't think it was a mistake to hire Cassidy. Like, they keep finding good coaches. I don't know how they're doing this. <laughs> but,
0: yep. you know, there we are. So let's get going into – let's move fast forward to, uh, you know, a couple weeks from now this, in this season. Training camp has started. Uh, obviously, we played each other a couple days ago there. What are the major storylines for Vegas coming in? Because, you know, Kings fans are – peppered with you know quentin byfield and getting kevin fiala and getting drew dowdy back and the brant clark hype train going on um you know what are the major headlines with vegas by the way
1: brant clark leaving out the door of the rookie game was <laughs> chef's kiss absolutely yeah. <laughs> brilliant like i saw that and i'm like yes I love it. but that's a different topic Uh, The the story is mostly like installing the systems and and how they're going to work and how it's all going to look. How are we making the power play better? How are we defending at a higher level? Like they're going from what was effectively a pressure man-to-man system where they were really trying to find situations where they could get two guys into a corner and come out with the puck and get the puck out of there as quickly as possible. Now it's effectively a zone. Where the defensemen don't really even chase down all the way into the corner. Sometimes they're supposed to kind of be uh, the pillars on the posts. They'll hand for they'll, they'll hand the puck carrier off as it goes back up to the point. Like they're going to be in their own zone a lot more than they've ever been in the history of the franchise. I think we're learning kind of who fits in this. What is it going to look like? And then I think the most important part, which hasn't even really come up yet, is what kind of impact does that have on this offense? This is a team that historically has been like a 55 to 60% coursey team mm-hmm. done it with expected mm-hmm. goals. Like across the board, the analytics have said this team should be scoring more than they are. They don't, they haven't. I don't think they ever will. I don't think they're a good finishing team. Now I think you're actually taking away some of the shot attempts, some of the expected goals, some of the offense that was built in. Are they going to be able to score to this point? it's been hit or miss. Like, yeah, they put seven in last game, but the Colorado Eagles were had a B team on the, on the ice. And like, I'm legitimately saying that, like that wasn't even an AHL team they were playing against. Like it was bad. So I don't want to read too much into that. They're going to have to find a way to improve. And and that's really been the story. The only other one beyond that is like Paul Cotter's making a run, you know, Paul Cotter's kind of, Maybe pushing Amadio out, you know they've already had a couple of injuries and the, he's kind of pushing his way on. I don't think they want to put him on waiver, so I guess he would be the up and comer. But like, let's be honest, the and I love Paul Cotter and I, he's great. But like, the ceiling on Paul Cotter is right. not anything spectacular. Like it's it's a three and a half four million dollar player, and that's if all goes right, and that's down the road. So it's not like it's not what the Kings have.
2: What is the the buzz and in, in the chatter on Phil Kessel? Because I'll be honest, the line with him, Eichel, and Smith looked really good against the Kings yeah. uh, the other night. So what's uh, what, what's that looking like so far in preseason?
1: It's um, it depends who you talk to. There's a realistic <laughs> approach, and then there's like an idealistic approach where like people look at the stats and look at last season and say, "Well, he had 50 points in Arizona, and he's playing with absolute garbage." Like. Why can't he have 60 or 70 here? And then I come in and I'm like, yeah, but he also didn't have a contract like well into the off season. They signed him for $1.5 million. He doesn't defend at all somehow. And I'm still trying to figure out how this is even possible. He ended up with 2.8 point shares on a team that he scored 52 points for. Like, that's not possible. You can't do that. He did it, which the reason he did it was because he was on the ice for like 70 goals a guess. Like The guy doesn't defend. I don't know how that's actually going to work. I don't think he's going to be on the first line with Eichel. I just don't see how they can live playing against high-end lines night in and night out, and especially in road games where they have... Eichel and Kessel on the same line. Like, I just don't see it happening. And then beyond that, is he really playing 18, 19 minutes a night? Like, there's no way. Like, that's insane. And you're a good team if you're doing that. Like,
2: I envision Kessel coming in and being a third-line player, but first power play type of player. Because, um, yeah, he he does nothing other than finish. Right. Like, he can shoot the puck. And he yep. can...
1: He moves it. But, yeah. yeah, you're right. Like, And even then, the problem is... If you're planning on having him on the third line, who's he playing with here? Like, is he gonna generate offense with Nick Howden and and Nick Wah? Like Brett Howden? I don't even know howden's name anymore, apparently. Like, <laughs> I don't know. I, I just I I don't I don't know how it's all gonna work. I think we're gonna end up coming out of this season. He'll put up 40 points, and for the most part, everyone's gonna be like, Yeah, but what did it really do? I don't think it's a bad signing, though, at all. Like, I think it was a good move to get him. I think it's better to have that option, but they got to be careful. Like, you can't just sit there and say, yeah, he's 70 points. Like, what are you doing? Yeah.
0: Now, with the biggest offseason move, obviously, for the Kings is Fiala. How do you view that line going forward? Obviously, mm-hmm. him, Kempe with a breakout year in Kopitar. You've seen that first line struggle year in and year out lately during this rebuild. In your opinion, how, how has that changed for you? In your opinion, in this upcoming season, for watching this watching the Kings team,
1: scary. Like it's it's a team that did have some trouble scoring from time to time last season, and you know that's something the Golden Knights also had the same issue. Uh, they they defend; they they're going to be a pain to play against. Like. Fiala hasn't been great against the Golden Knights, so I don't know how that's going to actually work in the matchup itself, but I do think he's going to be pretty darn good. Like, It's a good signing. I'm not sure about the contract. It's a little lengthy and rich, I think, for a player that's done what he's done in his career. But when you really look at the depth of the team, you look at the 12-man forward group, and you're like, that's, that can work. Like, There's a lot of a mixture of a good hockey team in there I, I, I like the Kings. Like I'm probably going to pick them to finish second, first or second in the division. And I'm, I'm, it's not Vegas who's going in the other spot.
2: It's funny. I was looking before we chatted at the latest, uh, you know, w- uh, one of our sponsors, DraftKings, uh, to see what the latest division odds were. And Calgary and Edmonton are atop, top. Um, and Vegas is third ahead of LA. And it doesn't sound like you necessarily agree with that. Um, where would you peg Vegas
1: coming into the season in terms of the Pacific division? so i think when you look at just the rosters themselves it's hard to put vegas above calgary edmonton or la i think they're in a similar spot to vancouver where you can look at the roster and say there's a lot to be excited here but there's also some issues there's some holes in this lineup clearly Edmonton or uh, vancouver's is defensively Mm vegas is clearly goaltending and then scoring so there are definitely concerns there. Do I think the Golden Knights can win the division? Yeah, I do. I, I really do. Like, they have enough good players. I do think the system could potentially be a fit. I do think it's possible that one of the three goalies figures it out and becomes a legitimate option for them. I think there is a path. Would I pick it? Absolutely not. Like, there's no way. I I think it's more likely they finish fifth than that they finish first. And And that's just because there's a real chance that they hit the injury bug again. Like if you look at the history of the league, the team that had the most injuries the year before, they usually don't repeat as having the most injuries, but very rarely are they anything but average. Like they're usually in the middle, if not closer to leaning towards the side of having a lot more injuries. Like they already have three dudes who are out for the season. Like Shea Weber shouldn't count, but Robin Leonard's out for the season. Nolan Patrick's out for the season. They're a better team if they have both of those guys. And they don't. So that's before we've even played a game. They've already had two injuries. Like, we're already having them. They're running into it. Like, Will Carrier got injured in the game. They said he would have come back. They said it was precautionary to keep him out. And then he's out for a week. Like, what's going on here? So I, I, I think that there's an argument to be made that one of those teams we think is going to be good, the Kings, Edmonton, or Calgary. One of them's not. Mm-hmm. That's how hockey goes. I don't know which one it's going to be. One of them's not going to be good. That's going to open the door for the Golden Knights to just waltz into the playoffs if they're halfway decent.
2: And not only that, we've talked about it, Randon, on our show, is that there's going to be a team that surprises, whether it's Vancouver or Anaheim or Seattle. Um, like the Kings were a surprise last year. Yeah. Let's, let's you know, be honest with it. There could be a, very well another one of those teams in the Pacific that is a surprise in addition to the fact of – one of those top three teams is probably not going to be one of those top three teams right, as you alluded to. So uh, I, I think that's a good
0: point. You, uh, let, let, you go let's ahead, uh, let, let's get into here. We brought, brought up our sponsor. Let's go to that. And if you like betting, the NFL action's in full swing here at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. We're talking touchdowns, big plays, and even bigger wins. New customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do. If that's not enough, everyone can boost their winnings with DraftKings stepped-up games, same-game parlays. Right now, every lay you can add and you can boost your winnings up to 100% with bigger payouts than ever. Why bet on football anywhere else? To make things sweeter, we can throw down on the stepped-up same-game parlays once per game, all season long, download DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN to get $200 in free bets if your team wins. When you place a $5 bet on any football game, that's code THPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the NFL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Take it away, Joe.
2: Well, I, I wanted to I wanted to circle back to the goaltending because, so Brandon and I, covered a lot of the Ontario rain last year, the AHL team for, for mm-hmm. LA. So we got a chance to see quite a bit of Logan Thompson. I, I really, really like Logan Thompson. I actually think he could be perfectly fine. Now, I don't know that he's going to play. It'd be fair to expect, you know, him to play 50 plus games and be this, you know, whatever, but I think he's a good goaltender. And I think if he can, I think he's has enough talent to contribute and then I, I actually also like Aiden Hill. I may be in the minority there, but I actually kind of like him. I think that was a subtle good pickup for them. Um, I actually am, I'm okay with their goaltending situation, as crazy as that may sound. I feel like I'm a little bit more bullish on Vegas actually than Ken is this year. Um, but a little you, more you, you, you've, you've, talked about, you've talked about the, you've talked about the goaltending and you I can definitely sense some hesitation. So yeah. digging a little bit deeper there, what, what was your thoughts about a, you know, what are your thoughts on Logan Thompson,
1: but also the Aiden Hill acquisition? I mean, Logan's done it every step of the way. Like there's, there's not a lot in his career that's actually on the ice. That's saying that he shouldn't be able to do it. However, I can't get off the fact that he didn't get drafted. He didn't play mm-hmm. C- Canadian juniors much beyond what what most guys do and then didn't even get drafted out of that. He ends up going to Can- Canadian college, which is super rare. Literally, I don't think there's another goalie in the past 20 years mm-hmm. that's come that route that's actually made it. And every single step of the way, the Golden Knights sign him. He has the opportunity to be the backup last season. They go out and buy Loren Brassois. It seems like here's an opportunity to hand him the starter role. They go out and buy Aiden Hill. Like they constantly find ways to tell you he's not it. And and I don't know what it is necessarily that they're seeing that we are all not cuz he looks pretty darn good. Like yeah. right there's nothing yeah. about the game that you don't like to this point. Mentality-wise, I like the kid a lot. He's super like Uh, I don't, I don't, I would say confident, like it almost borders on arrogant. I it's great. Like it's what you want in your high end athlete. Like it's good, but there's something there. Like why did everyone pass on him over and over and over again? He was even signed to another AHL team, Hershey, Washington, they didn't even keep him and he was good there. So, like, I just have there's something there that tells me, like, scouts see something. I don't necessarily know exactly what it is. Hill, I hated the trade personally. I think that Aiden Hill's pretty good, like you do. I think he's better than what most people believe, but I'm not going to say Aiden Hill's an NHL level goalie. Like, he's a backup. If you're lucky, he's a backup. He can fill in, he'll be fine. He's not winning you a Stanley Cup he's not putting you in that position why are you giving up a fourth round pick before you know what Logan Thompson is why are you giving a pick to a team that has three goalies and has to waive one and one of them makes two million dollars what are you doing and then beyond that we are within days here like it's going to start happening anytime in the next week every team is going to waive goalies go grab one of those for free Why are you giving up fourth round picks? He's probably better than all the other guys they can get. But is that the difference that this team is going to make? Like for me, I only care about one thing. Are you going to win the cup? And adding Aiden Hill doesn't change that at all. Like none. You either were going to do it or you weren't. Aiden Hill doesn't suddenly change that for me. So that's why I don't particularly like that deal. I don't know what they're trying to be. It's hard for me to make the argument that they're trying to be anything other than relevant and mediocre. And that is like the worst. Like, just just, just send me to hell right now.
0: Well, th- thank you for putting Joe in his place. I really appreciate that. Um, uh, other, th- other, than, other than Thompson, you know, obviously the Kings have a lot of young players trying to take the next step. Calia, Byfield, et cetera, et cetera. With all the first-round picks being sent away and not really having much in the pipeline, is there a player that you're looking at in, in camp saying that maybe he can take the next step and and get that point total like we saw maybe from a Trevor Moore last season to help Vegas kind of you know be a little bit higher in the standings than maybe people are expecting?
1: When is this guy supposed to take the step? This year? At, at some point in this season, yeah. No, they don't have one. Like they they just don't. They like their best prospect, like highest end prospect is Brendan Brisson. He can't play in the NHL at the moment. Like it's it's not even debatable. You watch him in preseason, you watch him in the rookie games, like he's not ready. That doesn't mean he's gonna be a bad player. I think he's actually gonna be a halfway decent player down the road. He's just not ready. And I don't think that by January, he's suddenly gonna come in and rip off 40 points in the back end of the season. Like I just don't see it. Their most NHL ready prospect is Caden Korzak. He's a gigantic defenseman who stays at home and does very little other than that scored a nice goal yesterday so maybe I shouldn't go overboard on how little he can do offensively but if Caden Korzak puts up more than 20 points I'd be amazed and that way I would like probably hug him because that'd be impressive if he gets 20 plus points but they really don't have it like the two first round picks in the system Zach Dean's not close at all and I'm assuming he's going back to juniors because they don't even have a contract to sign him to, to bring him out uh they don't have a first round pick last year. All the other ones have been traded or they didn't have them. So there's not a lot of high end talent like Paul Cotter is the best they've got. And that's a 2018 fourth round draft pick that is pushing for a fourth spot and may not beat out Michael Amadio for it.
0: So what you're, you're saying? You're saying Peyton Krebs for Buffalo is what you're saying. Is
1: the, the- yeah, that would be? Nice. <laughs> like, I, I, I'm not as high on Peyton Krebs, but I, I I think he's I think he's usable. I think he would help the Golden Knights on an entry level contract. Thank you, CJ. Uh, but, you know, I don't I, I I don't see them having much in the prospect pool, and that's because they've been good for too long. Like you don't get picks. And then you trade away your first round picks like you don't even have the lottery ticket of potentially hitting at 28, 29, where they've been picking. Like, I get why they're where they're at, but it's hurting and it's hurting a lot because they're overpaying for players and, and they need some they need some production.
2: What is the organization's look or your and or your look at Pavel Faev? Is he somebody that is? Uh, no, no. <laughs> OK,
1: there was a belief there for a minute. Um
2: that you know, the way failed. he held the
1: puck, he's got a he's got good vision. There, there, there was something there for a minute there. I think over time in the AHL, you start to see him kind of adapt to the the North American style and and the slog that is the AHL, and it just isn't there. Like the points were there a year ago, but there's just not a lot of dynamism. Is that a word? Mm-hmm.
0: It, it is. is just not there. it can be,
1: yeah. And so I would be pretty surprised if he's anything uh, of significance in the NHL.
0: Yeah, because I like Pavel Doroviev as well. So I mean, it, I, I thought that he might be something to, to push there. Um, you know, so coming into the Pacific, well, I mean, what do you think would be the major headlines going, and not just for Vegas and the Kings, but is there anything that you're looking for with this with this division? Uh, you know, coming into the season, I think it's a
1: lot more well rounded than it's been. Basically, in the six years that the Golden Knights have been here, like I don't think there's a horrible team anymore. I don't we think say yeah, be, let's say the sharks. Let's just say it. We well, both the sharks are going to be bad, but the sharks are still, I think, going to be a bit of a pain. Like I I think that it's not exactly going to be fun to play that sharks team. Yeah. And maybe they fall off the cliff early enough that you know we're all happy with that and they can get <laughs> out of here. I would be perfectly fine with that. I just think that like they don't have the Arizona, they don't have the Chicago, they don't have what has been the Detroit or the Colorado back years ago. Like there's always been one of those in the division. It was Seattle last year. It was the sharks last year for a few years. It was basically all the California teams. Like we don't really have that. And I think there's five teams legitimately pushing for a playoff spot that are, that could make it. Uh, and and I think they're going to have a lot bigger challenge getting through the Pacific division at, you know, 720 points percentage, which is basically what the golden Knights have done since they came in. I don't see that being the case again. So They're going to have to make up points on the central, make up points in the east, and they haven't been real good at doing that.
2: Yeah, it's kind of funny. The division went from a year ago to be, was consensus like the the weakest division in the NHL to, yeah, it's something that we've talked about on our show as well that this is a, the division's way better. You know, I don't know. What I've thought is, I don't know that any one of these top teams, and I'll say the teams that were Calgary, Edmonton, and I consider Vegas or LA, those top four teams, if you will, none of them, pulled away from the pack like this offseason yet you could argue vancouver anaheim seattle have all pulled themselves up yep which to your point i, I think that makes the division a really tough division yeah. internally for sure
1: the only challenge is that really none of them are going to win the cup like there's not a team in the division where you're like "Ooh, that's the legitimate cup contender and, and really when i look around the league, there's not that many of them this year yeah like it would I, be surprised if it's one of any, and there's like four or five teams that I can really look at and say, I'd be surprised if any of those five don't win it, uh, which maybe that should tell me something like maybe there is more, you know, maybe, maybe the parody is a little bit better and, and that a team in the Golden Knights spot or the Kings spot or somebody else in the middle here, or what we yeah. perceive to be the middle is actually closer to the top.
0: Yeah. I think it's going to be an interesting season. I think we all agree there. Well, ken i think i think that's gonna probably do it for us today we don't want to keep you too much longer i know you got a life outside of uh Min there we want to appreciate you for coming on and and hopefully maybe have you on mid-season to talk about uh you know the how the season's going joe do you have anything else to say there
2: no just uh, i want to echo your thoughts brando really appreciate you coming on it's been a blast look forward to we'll definitely do this again uh it's been a lot of fun and you know i'd say good luck but well, let's be honest. No, neither. They, neither they ain't going to meet it.
1: <laughs> it's fine. It's perfectly fine. I'll say this. I have no idea I'll, what it's going to be.
2: I'll say this. I think Kings fans are going to love this podcast. We've got a Vegas guy on, and he's just
1: thrashing the deal. <laughs> I think they're going to love it. <laughs> I mean, well, I can only say what I see. And, like, maybe they change my mind. I've actually been impressed through three preseason games. I don't know how much that matters. But, you know, it's 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 hard. Like, they were a legitimate cup contender for five years and now you look at the roster and i just don't see it maybe i'm missing something i've done it before i've missed it in a big way before five years ago but i just don't see it at the moment and i'm hoping i'm wrong I'm, yeah. i really am but I I, I I don't think i am
0: well as always you guys can find us at hockeyroyalty.com at uh, at hockey underscore royalty at jw Paterino at Rana commando 24 at sinbin vegas there for give everybody a follow um you know for the the season upcoming stuff Uh, ken's pretty brutally honest as you can tell so his his post might be nothing different definitely
2: follow sinbin definitely follow sinbin vegas uh
0: as always you guys can find us on twitter like i said articles coming out daily thank you guys so much we're gonna have much more of these preseason previews again thank you ken for coming on Uh, And as always on this podcast, go Kings, go, (laughs) go Kings.